Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Kugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by Director Sports Communications at Chicago Fire FC, my guy, Jamie Chin. Uh, if anyone in the soccer world knows anything about Jamie, he's as good as they come, one of the best in the biz, uh, someone I consider a friend in this game. Um, so we'll be getting to know all about Jamie, talking about his sports PR journey, managing crisis, breaking into the business, and more. Jamie, first and foremost, how are you doing today? My guy, I'm doing well. Thank you both uh, for having me on. Big fan of the show for a long time. So it's nice to finally be a guest on here and kind of be, you know, not behind the scenes as the PR guy, but the one doing the interview for a change. So appreciate you guys having me on. Nah, thanks for coming. You know, like the true PR communications legend you are, you came in suited and booted. So I know you're ready. No. Um, <laughs> but let's let's get right into it. Uh, L, what do we start out with? Last yeah, always. so... To kick off every episode with a guest, um, we play a game called Two Truths in the Cap. So this is the game where, Jamie, you'll tell us three facts about yourself. Two will be true. One will be a lie. And then Moby and I have to guess what the lie is. So whenever you're ready, go ahead and kick it off. All right, perfect. I got to go with three good ones because it's got to be something that Moby can't easily figure out. Um, so the first one is I attended uh, Oscars after party. The second one is uh, my middle name is St. Patrick. And the third one is I'm a distant cousin of Vibes Cartel, the legendary Jamaican artist. Wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's probably one of the best two, two truths in the cap we've got. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the middle name. Like, you must be a fan of power. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just about to ask. I'm going like, to go with the middle name. Maybe St. Patrick. So? Uh, Jamie St. Patrick Chin. Ah, that it, it comes off the tongue pretty well, to be fair. It does. So it's not like it's like out of the ordinary. I mean, you do work in PR. <laughs> Two points everyone knows, for me, though. Yeah. Everyone knows Jamie. So like an Oscar party is not too far-fetched. <laughs> you know, I could finesse my way into one of those, huh? Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Vibes Cartel. Nah, I don't Vibes Cartel. But you don't just say Vibes Cartel. That's the thing. Uh, I feel like I got to go different just because I need to catch up from L. So the lie, the cap, sorry. The cap is Vibes Cartel, Distant Cousin. Mo's got it. That's the one. <laughs> the middle name is actually St. Patrick. My middle name, I swear to God, actually not just Patrick. St. Patrick. S.T. Patrick. Is the middle That's name. crazy. Okay, so what's the context of that? What's like, is like... Honestly, I've asked my parents and the only answer they give me, I don't know if they're just not giving me the real story or whatever, but it's basically what you said. My mom just thought it, it flowed nicely. So she went with that. And for the longest time, it was kind of my thing until Ghost came along in power. And now uh -huh. I'm copying him, but like, this is 30 plus years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> respect, respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, 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 I appreciate that, Jamie, because now I'm one, I'm one, I'm one back from L. I, I was I was struggling. When needed that. To, and I L, needed there was that. no corruption, man. I didn't, you know, I didn't send him a little text, let him know. You know that was that was pure pure. He earned that. Nah, it's all it's all good. Like that was actually a really good one though, because it yeah. seemed too coincidental to be true. So, yeah. that was a good I, honestly, one. I swear to you, I didn't even remember the power reference when I said it. I just know it's not something people would most likely believe. Yeah. So I figured I'd throw y'all off a little bit. So. 
I low-key want to hear about this Oscar parties because if if I'm not trying to, you know, get you in trouble, but you know, Listen, if you if you're if you're from Orlando, if you like played in Orlando and you need a plug, Jamie <laughs> was your guy. So this Oscar Wait. party is no not too far fetched. And then Vibes Cartel, is he your favorite artist or what? He honestly was just the first Jamaican artist that came into my mind as I was thinking about it. But um I, I was a big vibes fan until you know he kind of got himself caught up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oscars thing, that's a story for off the record because it was yeah. college spring break. So, you know, <laughs> another day enough for another day. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but, yeah. Let's get, let's get into it then. You know, first all question right. we ask all our guests, um, all, all our family, when did you fall in love with soccer? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, honestly, it's hard to really pinpoint, but I think from, from a really, really young age, cause I was born in Kingston, Jamaica, where, as you guys know, soccer, football is like a religion there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's easily the biggest sport up there with track and field. So it's just any and everywhere. You're constantly surrounded by it. Um, and my dad was really, really involved with the game. He had w- done some work for the youth national team in Jamaica and like local high schools to kind of help grow the game. So I think with me and my younger, or my older brother, excuse me, he, you know, from a very young age kind of instilled his passion for the game onto us. And then from there, we just kind of ran with it. Um, so yeah, from, I, I don't remember the exact age, but definitely from really, really young age, just because of where I was born and my family and everything like that. No, I love that. And I, I love the fact that you, you know, you come from a soccer family. Obviously we have a relationship, so I know a little bit about your family. Your dad's heavily involved, you know, your older brother played professionally, um, and is now in the soccer agent space. And then you, um, working from the, you know, executive front office space, um, talk about your journey, you know coming from Kingston to the States and, you know, how did you find yourself to director of Chicago Fire SC? For sure. I mean, if I I get asked this question a lot and I I don't think I ever, when I was younger, thought I would be in this position. Um, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do, but I always loved playing soccer. So we moved to the U.S. immediately. We were playing club soccer. We played all the way through high school and then into college as well. Um, But in addition to soccer, I always used to love writing as well. Um, And I remember pretty vividly in high school, I kind of took a journalism class just as like an easy elective. And the Uh teacher told me, she's like, you know know how that one goes. She's like, hey, like, you know, you're pretty good at this writing thing. Have you ever thought about joining a newspaper staff? And I was like, I don't know. You got to stay after school, like one of them. So I go home, I tell my pops, I'm kind of bragging, you know, about my writing. And true Jamaican, especially Jamaican Chinese that he's like, oh, were you, were you, you taking newspaper class now? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I got soccer practice. He's like, no, you need more clubs, you know, to get into college. I can't just be all sports. You need to diversify. Da, da, da. Yeah. So had, he, had I not, you know, tried to brag and then him kind of encouraging me into doing yeah. it, who knows what would have happened. But I got into that, thrived, really loved it. And then that kind of led me on this path to where I am now. And I went into college thinking about, okay, how can I kind of fuse my passion for writing and also playing sports as well and when it got to that point in college where I realized professional thing probably wasn't going to work out because like you moves and a lot of other people the grind for me I just I love playing but the grind is just I never loved that part of it right yeah it takes so I realized that pretty quickly and then from there just fortunately uh, Orlando City, which used to be in Austin at the time, had just moved to Orlando, I think, after my junior year in college. Um, 
my brother got signed after a tryout with them. And so that enabled me to kind of put a, get a foot in the door and get an internship with them. And so started with an intern with them, I think back in 2011. And then I've just kind of been working my way up ever since. No, that's amazing. And I love it because, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't know how to get their foot in the door when it comes to soccer um, from the business standpoint. And, you know, there's so many ways to get involved rather than just, you know, playing professionally. Um, so for you, talk about your role. Obviously, you started off as an intern and then worked your way up. But like, what does your role entail? Yeah, for me, um, the simplest answer is to really just to try to help get media coverage for the club. Um, but sort of more specifically, I'm responsible for leading and executing the sporting communications strategy for the team. So just helping to shape the narrative around the first team and sort of help to amplify some of the stories in and around the team, either through our own media properties, um, our website, social media, video, or more specifically external media properties to try to not only highlight the team, but strategically tell the story that we want to tell and highlight the things that we're doing well, which right now is a lot of off the field stuff. There is some stuff in the sporting space that's starting to kind of really come to fruition. And I think it's going to be, you know, exciting for Chicago fans, especially in the next few months. Um, but yeah, that's really kind of my role in a nutshell. We, a lot of teams, it's the PR staff does both sides, business and sporting, yeah. they cover both. Here we split it. So I have a counterpart here that I work with where she mainly focuses on the, the non-sporting side. So all the business announcements, community relations, that type of PR, my focus, which is what I prefer, is most, mostly on the team and the sporting side of the yeah. PR. Now, how much of it is like being on the offensive with like, you know, strategic communications, making sure you guys own your story and then like putting out fires versus, and no pun intended, Chicago Fire, but putting out <laughs> fires in terms of like, like negative press or like, you know, disgruntled fans or, you know, a story about an athlete breaking out. Because uh, when a yeah. lot of people think about PR, there's like, oh, they're just here to cover the mistakes, but it's a, it's right. a combination of both. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I think most of my job is the proactive, is, is to be proactive. Um, and a lot of that is just trying to anticipate things that could come up or a position that media members might have and to try to get ahead of that and maybe give them context as to why certain things are happening just so they can, you obviously can't tell them what to write or what to say about the team, but you can at least give them another perspective that kind of maybe helps to frame their thinking a little bit. And then, yeah, to your point, there's there's occasionally things that do come up that you kind of have to react to. But essentially, you want to always try to avoid that as much as you can and to be proactive mm -hmm. with things. It's not always going to happen. And you have to be prepared for that when it does. Um, but in general, we just have to be, I mean, being in a big market, as you played in Philly, it's it's a little bit different than when you're in a Portland or Orlando where the media coverage just came by itself. You know, in, in that yeah. situation, you're just more like, managing the requests that we would get and we had a kaka on the team and big players in portland as well and so media coverage wasn't an issue whereas here there's so many other things you're competing with there's all the other yeah. sports two uh, uh mlb teams nba nfl you know minor league hockey there's just and an entertainment everything else in the city that comes with being a big city so yeah. for us to get coverage especially when the team isn't doing as well on the field we have to be proactive and make the media's life as easily as possible. Otherwise, we won't get coverage because 
with how much things have changed in the media landscape, that resources are thinner, right? Like new staffs mm-hmm. are getting cut, you know, newspaper staff, same thing. So we really have to make it easy for them to cover the team because there's so much competition. So you have to do a little bit more work. But in that sense, it's also really rewarding, too, when you do get that coverage because yeah. you had to work for it. You know what I mean? That's perfect. So your phone is always by your side, right? Always, always. Morning, night. There's no, man, there's no turning off. As much as we try to, you know, I kind of pick moments. Um, but yeah, usually there's no such thing as going in at nine, leaving at five, and then you don't touch anything until the next day. Just with social media and how things have evolved, you just kind of always have to be available and on top of everything. So. Can, can you talk about that from the standpoint of, you know, someone that's looking into getting into the sports, you know, communications, PR space, like how you always have to be on, but like trying to find time to decompress, you know, just from a mental health and, you know, having your self-peace um, at the end of the day. Like, how do you balance that? No, that's a good question. And it's, it, it's something that's really difficult to do. And I think I have gotten better at it as I've gotten older and a little bit more established in my career and kind of figured out, especially just, you know, the the length of a season and sort of pacing yourself so that, you know, you're not getting burned out by the, the middle of the season or before the season ends. Um, and it, it is as much as you do need to be on, you also have to realize that you're not performing. If you're not taking care of yourself, then you're not going to be performing at a good level, right? It's just like mm-hmm. being an athlete. So it's, it's not the way I've, I've tried to balance it is you can't obviously go, you know, completely dark and just not be on mm-hmm. the technology. But I sort of have certain times in the day, like when I'm home with my girlfriend, for instance, and, you know, we're having a meal or whatever, then there's no phones. Right. But it's for a mm-hmm. short amount of time. Or I try. I don't always do this before I go to bed or when I wake up, I try not to look at my phone. But we know it's the <laughs> yeah hard it's hard it's hard but or like just limiting my time on social media trying to you know do something more productive than being on social media but when so much of your job revolves around that it's kind of hard to to have that off switch but you just have to be kind of vigilant and have that mental reminder that you just it's not good for you to be like this all day all the time yeah i got a quick adjacent question to that um you've you were with Orlando City as well as Portland. Were you there at the same time? And Moby was there each time. Both. <laughs> yeah, so, we, we were following each other. <laughs> <laughs> so Moe's, yeah, Moe's was there both in both occasions. We we're there yeah. in Portland. I think he went to maybe KC in between uh, Orlando and Portland. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, we linked up. We linked up in Portland again for a few years. Dope. Dope. I'm gonna give Moe's credit because Moe's is always really, really good to work with. Like. We always say as PR professionals, like you kind of have your guys that you know you can go to no matter what for media. There's certain guys who just don't like to do it. There's guys who only like to do it if they scored or doing well or whatever. Most had his moments, but for the most part, he was always, you know, he was yeah. always very accommodating and a good pro about doing media whenever we asked him to. So I always appreciated that. I think that's kind of how we first started to develop a relationship in Orlando yeah. as well. Because um, he was one of the first players we signed. So we had him doing everything at one point, fan events, all this, all these interviews and everything. And he was always really, really good to work with. So oh, that's a great question. L. And talk about that because a lot of people, obviously, you know, you mentioned Kaka, um, that's a whole media PR system within itself. You know, a lot of people ask, what's it like playing with Kaka? But what's it like, you know, managing that from a communications and PR standpoint? And then to double up on that question is like, 
you know, you mentioned the, you know, how difficult sometimes it is for athletes and PRs to like kind of work together. Yeah. If, what, um, what advice would you have if an athlete is looking to increase their brand, how important it is to be close with the communication staff and, you know, do those interviews when, when you might not want to? No, for sure. Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. I would say with Kaka and even Basti here in Chicago, it, it was a lot. Yeah, you're a big stepper. <laughs> he was like, hey, hey, don't forget. I do Bayern Munich testimonials. I got Real Madrid, Ballon d'Or, like, my bad. My bad. No, I, I will say I've been fortunate in the sense that the two, the two big players that I've been lucky enough to work with have been really, really good guys to work with that I think understood the value of having those relationships with media and being able to engage with the media, right? And it, it is a lot in the sense that you're getting a lot of media requests and those guys, they usually come with, they usually have their own publicist as well that we have to work with. So it's not as if we get a request or we want to pitch a story and then we just facilitate it. There's certain channels that we have to go through that can kind of slow down the process, which makes it a little bit more complicated. But I will say those two guys, for the most part, and we were good about protecting them and making sure we were presenting them with the right opportunities and not just any and everything. But they were always very gracious and always very, you know, happy to accommodate any media requests. And so to your question, Mobs, about, you know, athletes and how they can leverage that, I would say, look at those two guys. Those are two guys who, especially when they had come over to the U.S., had won everything you could win, had no need to, to really do any media. They had huge brands, but they were still very respectful. You know, they took the time to do interviews, always accommodating for us because I think, you know, they, they built a brand for themselves and they understood the importance of those relationships and how, you know, being good to the media can benefit you in some ways. So I would just say, look to those guys, man. Those are the guys who have every reason to not be that way. And they're still doing it for a reason. So no, that's amazing. So, you know, obviously you've been with um, Orlando City SC while it was an expansion. Oh, sorry, while it was the USL team, it was an expansion team. You've worked with Portland, like an established big team in a small market, um, and now you're working with Chicago, um, smaller team, big market. Um, so you have a lot of experience across the board. Can you talk about your last three years with Chicago Fire and, you know, going through um, a rebrand, you know, which is kind of new um, and not a lot of people really face? For sure. So we're about 15 minutes in and we got the rebrand question. I was wondering <laughs> what <it> <laughs> <laughs> We gave you a heads up. We gave you a heads up. <laughs> you did. You did, to be fair. Um, I did three, the last three years have been... I've been very good for me career-wise, man. At the time when I decided to move over here, like you said, I was leaving a very well-established club in Portland, um, good fan base, good on the field, good everything, to come to a, a project that was a little bit uncertain at the time, right? Like there was ambitions to sort of bring the club back to what it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they won all the trophies and everything. But there was no guarantee that it was going to happen. But I will say one of the reasons that I did want to come was not only because of the city and being close to home. What? <laughs> not dinner on you, man. Dinner on you. Next time I pull up to Chicago, dinner on you. 
listen, man, I'm frugal too. I'm frugal like you. <laughs> um, but you know, not only that stuff is it was the, the the sort of challenge to help bring the club back to where it was, and also like we talked about earlier, where the media coverage wasn't taken for granted, and so being able to sharpen those tools to where you had to hustle to get media coverage, I just thought it would be a really good challenge for myself. But when I first came in, some of that stuff you were talking about earlier about putting out fires, there were a lot of fires, no pun intended, when I first came. Um, the fans were protesting, so we're dealing with fan boycotts. Um, the team wasn't really doing that well on the field. And then we were sort of in the middle of or towards the end of some strategic planning that was going to involve the rebrand that you mentioned, the logo, everything. Um, but then within a year, within my first year, a lot of that changed because our current owner uh, ended up buying the team fully, I think in September of 2019. And then that sort of trickled uh, or kickstarted this really positive momentum of so many things. So we, we bought out the lease or he bought out the lease, not we, <laughs> bought out the lease for the old venue, Seeking Stadium, also Toyota Park, um, moved back into the city in the Soldier Field, Got back onto WGN. The team had just been on ESPN Plus. They weren't on, you know, local TV or anything. Got the games back on WGN, some more exposure. And then also the rebrand, um, which didn't go so well at the time. Um, but then, thankfully, you know, our owner who um, came out shortly afterward and said, hey, if it's not working, we'll fix it. You know, we'll listen to the fans. And so after a year of sitting with it, clearly it wasn't sitting with the fans very well. We decided to change it and went in a much different direction, a very fan-focused project that I think saw over like 20,000 people give input as to what they wanted to see. And I think the, the crest that we have now is the result of that, right? It's, it's, yeah. You can see the impact it has when the soul of the club, the fans, actually you know, give their opinion and, and uh, their, their thoughts as to what the crest should look like. Um, so it's been it's been a roller coaster, man, to be honest. You know, there's been a lot of changes, new ownership, new sporting staff. We had a lot of momentum going into 2020, which was the first year after all those changes. We're supposed to have a sellout at Soldier Field and COVID sort of derailed that a little bit. So I think now the focus is going into this offseason and next season is to try to regain some of that momentum and have a kind of a vibrant full stadium at Soldier Field next year and moving forward as well. Yeah, I saw the um you guys have some pretty nice like influencer boxes that you guys sent out. You know, I think our I think our address got lost somewhere. <laughs> shape, but, um, but I don't know. You might have got knocked off the list <laughs> Man, I don't know. But yeah, de definitely seems like you guys are doing appreciate it. Definitely seems like you guys are doing a lot to um to really drum up um, you know, some some fresh Fresh faces, fresh fan fanfare, fan fan moving back into the city. Um, so I definitely see the efforts. Um, but kind of backing up to the the rebrand for a second. Um, you know, there's a, there's an uproar about that. And then you mentioned coming in, and there's a lot of fires that you put out. Um, what crisis handling advice would you give aspiring comms, you know, professionals? Oh man, that is a really really good question. Um, the first, the, I guess, the biggest piece of advice I would give is to is to not rush anything. Right. And to to you have to respond immediately in the sense of de depending on the situation where it's, hey, we're aware of this. This is going on and we won't comment, you know, for the time being. But outside of that, I would say to just not rush and to take your time and to get all the facts, get all the information. 
Um, and a, a lot of teams do this. We do this in Portland. We do it here as well. Um, you sort of have a crisis committee. So different stakeholders in the organization, whoever you determine those people to be, it could be your legal, you know, your head legal person, maybe your president, whoever is involved. And there's a discussion that needs to take place um, about what's the best way to, to handle the situation. So I think it's good to have a good team around. So you have different opinions and different perspectives on the best way to, to handle the situation. Don't rush, but also don't take too long because the longer it's kind of sitting there without a response from you or your organization, then that just leads to people sort of speculating and they're kind of, the narrative is kind of running on its own. Um, so there needs to be some urgency, but I would just say it's better to get it right than to rush and just put something out. And then you got to put something else out to clean that up and the original one as well. So oh, that's great. Yeah, it's good. It, I would just say it's just good to sometimes just take a breath in those situations, you know, because sometimes we just get so caught up in it and we just, you can start to panic a little bit. Just take a breath, center yourself, and just focus on the task at hand, right? And like I said, just get it. Try to focus on getting it right and not doing it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, one thing we like to do here is play hypotheticals. So, like, I always play hypothetical GM with the Moby and stuff like that. Um, uh -huh. But let's say, for example, you took over, you know, direct your same role with the new team, and there's a huge like gambling scandal, scandal or something with the with the players. How mm -hmm. would you help this team bounce back from this negative press and PR? Oh. Sign a partnership with DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> wow, putting me on the spot. Um, I know it's funny that this actually just happened with a Sporting Kansas City player. I don't know if you guys saw this. Felipe yeah. Hernandez, I think, right? Um, yeah. One of the things that they did which I thought was was good was they and I think the league was involved with this as well was they they tried to get the player help right and and uh, it seemed like I don't want to speak on his situation but it seemed like he kind of was struggling with gam gambling a little bit and was you know had an addiction so they the first thing they did was try to to get him help in that scenario right and then um, I think they followed up with like a public comment on that a little bit later so i think it it depends on the severity of the situation if it's a one-time thing if it's an ongoing thing how deep is the issue i would maybe need not to not to cop out of it i'd probably need a little bit more information to give like appropriate counsel on it um but there's a part of it that is looking after the individuals themselves and then also protecting doing what's best for the, the business the company also um so i think that would sort of dictate your response there yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say something like like the riverboat scandal with the uh, the Vikings from a few years back, Dante Culpepper and all that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though, Jamie has done a great job with some PR crises. If if you guys want to do your research um, <laughs> with some with some players, I know exactly what you're about. <laughs> so he's done a great job handling those situations. <laughs> what I will say about Chicago, and I want to ask this the last question on rebranding because you know. We can only talk about it so much, you know. Uh -huh. Yeah, I feel like your owner has done a great job of like listening to the pulse of the city, you know, the pulse of the fans. You know, a quote that always sticks with me, you know, when I'm when when I become a future GM, you know, owners will come and go, coaches will come and go, players and come and go, will come and go, but fans will always be there. Um, so how much of it is like you know putting your own imprint on the club, but also listening to the fans when it comes to that that rebrand? 
No, for sure. I mean, I think in general, there's been, in addition to myself, there's been so much new blood at the club because of everything we're trying to do to sort of reinvent the team. And you also have a good number of people here that have been here for, excuse me, 20, 20 plus years from the very beginning. And so it's, it's always a balance of wanting to um, reinvent the club, but also being true to the history of the club as well, because that's, that's something that's the most meaningful to supporters in all of football is what I've noticed is, is maintaining that history, you know, and that, 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 that club that they originally identified with from the very beginning. And I think those conversations to your point most are important because we might have our own perspective on how we think the club should be and what, who we should be as a club. And, but the fans might say, no, this is what we identify with, right? Like this yeah. is why we fell in love with the club. And so I think through those conversations, you can then sort of find a happy medium where it's like, like use the original Florian Cross logo, for example, right? There's a lot of people that really identified with that, but there need, we felt there needed to be a balance of still keeping some of those elements from the original crest that people really identified with, but sort of modernizing it a little bit. And so I think that's, been the approach all across the board, not just with the logo. And so even in the new logo, you see there's still, there's a modernized Florian cross. You know, there's, there's certain elements that were in the original one. So that an OG fan could see it and be like, okay, I see Chicago Fire in this. And a newer fan can look at it and say, oh, that's dope. Like, I, you know, that could, could connect with them as well. So I think overall, th those discussions are important because they can kind of help keep you on, on track, if you know what I'm trying to say. So, no, respect. Yeah. So, Jamie, um, when it comes to, you know, people in the communication space, outside of you, I think there's only one that I've come across in my time in MLS and USL, you know, working directly with the team. Um, shout out to the OG, Kareem Gabriel. He doesn't work in the space anymore, but from the Philly days. How do we get more people, you know, like us or us in this space? What's, what's, your, what's your solution? Oh man, the million dollar question. It's tough. It's tough. It's, it's not, there's not many of us, especially at the club level, like you said. Um, and I think, I think the challenge has always been that in America, and it's obviously changing, but we are more, more focused on other sports, but there's also a lot of people of color that do play soccer as well. Um, and so I think it's on sort of us when we get into hiring positions to to try to change the pattern a little bit and try to bring people in that even if they they don't necessarily have the traditional experience that lines up with you know what you normally go with for a certain position mm -hmm. it's it's still i don't want to say taking a gamble but i think it's it's about giving people a chance and that's something i try to keep in in mind when i'm looking for any positions that i'm hiring for right it's not the only thing but it's 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 something because a lot of times we look at their resume and say, oh, well, they don't have this internship or they don't have this experience, like probably wouldn't be a good fit. But not everyone has the ability to do in unpaid internships, right? Or these yeah. other things that are able to give them experience. And so sometimes you need to be the person that gives someone a chance, right? To, to help them get in. So I think, I mean, it's a really complicated topic. Um, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I feel like in, in terms of what I can do to help, that's something that I'm very mindful of is like, how can I kind of open the door for other people that look like me to come in behind me and not just say, Oh, I made it. You know, I made, it. I'm good. That's, that's, I, I got here. Y'all got to figure it out and get yourself. <laughs> like 
that's never, you know, yeah. so well, just do what I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, like that was hard. Yeah. <laughs> you need someone gave someone someone opened the door for me. It wasn't a person of color, but it's such a competitive industry. You do need a little bit of luck along the way, and also something that I'm mindful of too. Just lastly, is like how I kind of carry myself and conduct myself because. Whether we want to admit it or not, people are people are looking at that, right? If you get into a leadership position and you're not doing well, they might say, well, you, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like not giving them any reason as to say why you shouldn't have a person of color or a woman or any sort of marginalized community in in those positions. So you telling me I need to change and I get my blazer and I got to shave. That's what you're saying right now. <laughs> Listen, man, you already you already looking good in the suit. I saw the <laughs> You got it, bro. You're good. <laughs> hey, so, so yeah, I mentioned earlier. Survivors in now, anyways. <laughs> Winter season, you got to get ready. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier um, about you know access, um, and so like, what are some things that the fire are doing? You know, like on the community side, even like um, engaging the black community more, engaging mar mm -hmm. marginalized communities more. Um, not only on the pitch, but also like you know in other roles that you know that may not involve athletics, but like. Like you, like to your point, the PR roles, marketing roles, creative roles with the team. Um, right. is it, are there any programs or anything like that you guys are working with? So we're we're doing we we do a lot, quite a bit actually, more than most teams that I'm aware of at the moment. But I think we also realize there's opportunity to do more. So to your point, a lot of what we do at the moment is sort of centered around sport, like soccer programming. Um, mm -hmm. So we have this sort of social emotional learning program. It's called the PLACE program. It's an acronym. Don't quiz me on what the acronym means. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we're we're in. We basically partnered with a ton of schools in Chicago public schools. Um, it's a significant number. I can't remember the exact number. And we go in and we sort of with kids of all ages. We come in to provide in various communities as well soccer programming to help not only introduce them to the game. Um, but there's good life skills that they learn through that program as well. And our owner actually just um, contributed to, there's a group of people that, that um, purchased this, this huge $31 million facility in one of the most underprivileged neighborhoods in Chicago on the West side. And it's basically going to be this huge facility that will be the headquarters for our plays programming, but it's basically a big recreational facility that um, it does after school programming and different things to kind of keep, kids off the street and just get them in more productive things. Um, so an activity. So that's a big, big part of what we do now. And obviously donations and everything through our community relations department. But to your point, um, more professional opportunities sort of in the front office, I think, is an area that we're really looking at um, that we're focusing on as well. Um, oh, and we're also partnered with Common Goal. The, I don't know if you guys have heard of Juan Matas. I think we're the only MLS team to partner with them as well. So we do okay. really a lot through sports programming. That's big time. But we need to do more, I think, and could do more in other areas, to your point. No, respect. That's that's nice. what it's all about. Yeah. So any plans to invite uh, Chicago Sky out to, you know, one of the final home games? Listen, Champions man, in the city? We, we, we have our final home game Saturday against RSL. We sent an invite to the sky they, they may or may not have left us on red for the moment so if they're watching this invitation is still there halftime recognition come on 
But you know, they, I mean, they've had a lot going on. They had yeah. the parade, the parade to plan, which was amazing. Uh, it was cool to see how many people were there, and you know, I'm sure they get an influx of invitations from teams and organizations all over the city. But yeah, we got an invite out, man. The sky, they Candace Parker came home and yeah. did her thing, man. You Brought know, the chip home, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, that's what it's all about. So, yeah. um. Real quick, should we go to rapid fire? Because I got a couple questions I could probably ask you. <laughs> Jamie? Nah, do your thing. All right, so real quick, we're going to ask you some quick questions and then go from there. Okay. Uh, so, Jamie, what would what would your dream client or team to do comms for outside of Chicago Fire be? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I would say it would have to either be Arsenal, which is my, my team in uh-huh. the Premier League, the <laughs> best team in London, um, <laughs> or or the LA Lakers, who's my other favorite uh, NBA team, especially with all of the old heads and stars they got out there now. Um, okay, you know, I would say if I obviously I'm happy at the fire. My boss yeah. is watching this, but if I had to pick outside of those two, or outside of the fire, it would be those two. One of those. Okay. All right, I got a follow up to that Lakers one. Um, so now that the Lakers is basically like an all star team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. You know, obviously, there will be things that swirl around in the media about, you know, particular players. Like, for example, they're already crying about Russell Westbrook and the way he's playing, right? So how would you kind of handle that storm that's coming? Like, I know, like, the Lakers is, like, a huge task in itself. But you have, now you got Melo, AD, Bron, Westbrook. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it, it's it, you're right. It's a, it's a different completely different beast. The thing with, with LA, and I'm sure it's the same for New York and even Chicago to a certain extent is when you go to those big markets, like, especially when you're a big player, part of it is understanding that that scrutiny is going to come bet for better or worse. So yeah. if you're, if you're dominating and doing even, I mean, even LeBron still gets it. I can't even use him as an example because it's kind of a weird one where he gets so much hate despite how great he is. Um, but it's just it, it it sort of comes with the territory. So unless it's a crisis of some sort, then you kind of just have to, in my opinion, just just roll with the punches, you know. Um, and then we you you have to be smart about what interviews and what opportunities you're putting those players in front of to help protect them a little bit, based on how things are going, the climate, how they're playing, everything. Um, but honestly, my opinion is part of it is when you're in a big market, big team like that with big expectations, it's not about just making the playoffs for them. It's chip or bust. Right. Yeah. So, and especially when you're playing with a guy like LeBron, like you're going to have so much more media attention. So it, it's, it's more about rolling with the punches and then also counseling them as best as you can. I don't know how those guys are at that level. If they take counsel from the PR guys, but making sure they don't. <laughs> say the wrong things, you know, yeah. when they're in interviews or have a sound bite that's going to then follow them for however many weeks or games or whatever, right? Um, trying to set them up for success as much as you can, but there's no way to sort of minimize the coverage if it's negative or not, you know, you just have to, that comes down to how they're playing on the court. So, well, in most cases. Okay. All yeah. right. So to continue rapid fire, you spoke about LeBron, best way to announce a return. The decision or the letter? Oh, my Lord. Um, I was not a big fan of the decision, to be honest. Okay. Um, which, le- wait, which letter? The KD letter? And 
like the KD letter, the MJ letter, or even the LeBron letter is just like yeah, yeah. I think out of those two, I prefer the letter. Like I even love the the one the Galaxy did for Zlatan, where they took out the full page ad and it was just like "You're welcome." And that was it. That was on there. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I think it was really kind of the decision for me. Maybe it was a little bit ahead of its time, mm-hmm. but just remember back then it was like it just didn't come across the right way and seemed yeah. a little disrespectful maybe to Cleveland. <laughs> But, you know, teach, teach is on. For me, it's the letter. All right. Should every athlete have a publicist? Uh, yes. I, I don't know about every athlete, but I think depending on the sort of tier that you're uh-huh. at, right? Um, I think if you're sort of dealing with a high volume of media requests, then, or you have, you know, a pretty big brand, then yes, I think you should. Um, but I, I think otherwise there's plenty of good people like myself, you know, shameless plug at the club level that can help steer you for free, essentially, right? Like a good resource you have. So unless you're kind of anticipating big media coverage or anything like that, I think you're good with guys at the club level. Hopefully that doesn't hurt maybe a future business idea. Have you ever had to stop an interview, like mid-interview, because like, they had it, they had the interview, they told you like the questions, and then like they went completely left. Honestly, no, no, I never have. And I will say for the most part, like the soccer media here in the US, they're they're pretty, they're pretty good for the most part. They're not, I know in some other countries, like you probably talk to guys when they come over, it's like their view of the media is a little bit different because yeah. over there it's like they're always maybe trying to twist what you say or they're pushing. Yeah. Media over here, for the most part, they're really, really good. So okay. usually when you agree to something, they usually stick by it. Uh-huh. So you know, I haven't had to come in. Have you ever had to revoke a media pass? Oh, that's a good question. I don't I don't think I've had to do it myself <laughs> directly. <laughs> but there was one instance, I think, in Orlando, someone like asked for a selfie with Kaka or something and that's like a clear no no like, yeah. <laughs> come on man act like you've been here before act like you exactly. in the locker room and everything yeah. you know? uh and I think we did have to pull the credential for that one because again it's about protecting the player you know yeah. like in his locker room trying to focus on the game <laughs> nah. all right what's your view on athletes saying no comment like doing the Marshawn Lynch approach <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined yeah not a fan, not a fan. Only because I think it won't do you any good in the long run, right? Like the media, uh-huh. I know it can seem like a nuisance, but it's part of your job. And it's also, the me- it's not going to help the media do their job any better. And so it's, it's first of all, it, it depends on the situation. So if it's something that you clearly just don't want to answer, it can come across as like an admission of guilt almost. Yeah. And secondly, it just looks like, you're just disinterested and you don't want to be there, right? It's just, to me, not a good look, especially if you do it over and over and over again. I think it is it is acceptable in certain moments, right? Like if it's something that's a little bit sensitive and you're saying, hey, look, there's other people at the club that get paid to deal with this. I'd rather not comment on it. Yeah, That's fine. And there's there's different ways to say it too. Like what I just said then, no comment, right? If you just yeah. come on to no comment, it's perceived differently than, hey, I just want to focus on the game. So I'd rather not talk about that right now. We'll just talk about the game against Real Salt Lake this weekend or whatever it is, right? You're saying the same thing, yeah. but it's a little bit different than just a rude, like, 
no comment. <laughs> you know. Okay, perfect. So, I got a couple more. We'll go yeah. to the next thing. All right. So why? Obviously, certain journalists get preferential treatment. Have you mm-hmm. ever pushed a story to a certain journalist beforehand? <laughs> No comment. <laughs> I was like, even a blow his cover up. I'm out here dry snitching on stuff. Wait, my bad. I'd rather talk about the real stuff. <laughs> I'd rather talk about the upcoming home game. Make sure you guys get your tickets. Okay. Uh, and then last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, last one. All get right. This man in trouble. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, athletes, you know, media training is required or I, I'm sure you think it's like mandatory for themes or sectors in media training that you think every athlete should focus on. Oh, and for four areas of media training. Yeah, sorry, exactly four areas. Um, that's a good question. I would say, like the length of your answers. So Ooh. try to be more concise like and not too. You know what I mean. Um, little things like making eye contact as well with a journalist, knowing their name as well, knowing their name because it's all, you know, and thanking yeah. them for their time, being polite, that, that, that type of thing. And then the other one that I would say is you should go into every interview with the understanding that even though they're asking you a question, you're sort of dictating the interview and the message that you want to get across. So and the PR person should help you with this as well. Go into the interview with a couple points that you want to get across. And, and then that leads into be, how to be concise. Because you guys see sometimes on TV or even in print, they sometimes just use like a piece of your answer. Yeah. So if you really want to get the message across, it's better to be concise so that they just use exactly the part that you want them to use, if that makes sense. So I guess go into it with like some sort of strategy in mind. Don't just go in there to say whatever. Know what you want to get across. And you can always ask the PR person too, like, hey, what are they going to ask me about? You know, what are some topics? And then if there's anything you want to get their recommendation on how to answer, then that's what they're there for. Hmm. Ooh, two-minute masterclass. That's why Jamie's the best in business. Uh, If you're an athlete or you work with athletes, just take that clip and just like play it. Ooh, I (laughs) appreciate it. I was no. putting that clip behind the paywall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much game right there. Too much game right there, for real, for real. Two cents. Where else are you going to get that information? Sure. All right, but let's jump into one of our favorite segments of the show. Oh, yeah. um, no car, yellow car, red car. So this is a rapid fire segment where I'll read off some news headlines. And um, our guest, Jamie and Amobi, will give their opinions on the headlines using the soccer card system. So... No card is, you know, I agree with it. I'm cool with it. Yellow cards, I can go either way. And red card is obviously, you know, I disagree or, you know, foul. I'm not cool with it. And they'll give a little explanation of why they gave um, that card. So, got it? Sorry, say that. So, yellow card is could go either way? Yes. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm indifferent, essentially. Like, okay. I, can, I can go either way. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. So, first up. Um, so, word on the street is that FIFA will move forward with the World Cup every two years. In addition to that, there's a consideration that there's a consideration of not letting a team compete in two consecutive World Cups back to back. So what card are we giving FIFA for that, for this arrangement that they're kind of proposing? Go ahead. Jamie, let you go that's, that's, that's a red card. card. That's a red card. It seems like they're trying to do like the International Continental Champions Cup that they do every year in the United States. Like, 
<laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. I need to get rid of that stuff. Nah, I man, feel this. No, yeah, I feel the exact same way. Red card for me as well. I think one of the things that makes the World Cup what it is is the fact that it's every four years. And so when you bring it down to two years, it kind of loses that, at least to me, some of that significance. You know, it doesn't make it feel like this big event like it does every four years. So, red card all the way. Okay. All right, next one. Um, so it was reported at the ESPNW Summit by Angel City FC owner Julie Ehrman that 1% of ticket sales will go to the players. So what card are we giving Angel City for this? Oh, for me, no card. I think it's good. I mean, I, maybe you can go a little bit higher in the percentage, but I think they're probably one of the first teams to ever even consider this. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, I, I like it. You know, Angel City looks like they're not coming around to playing the games in terms of like the marketing, the treatment of players. And, you know, so I, I think there's going to be a main attraction for a lot of women um, that are looking to play in, in the States or in the w NWSL. Uh, so I'm excited to see how it goes. Agreed. Same, same exact thing. Echo what Moby said. I think in addition to this, they also, every corporate partnership deal they get, I think, or maybe it's not for every, it's just certain deals, but portion of that revenue goes to certain charitable causes as well. So I feel like just with everything going on in the NWSL right now, this is sort of a newer club that's trying to maybe change the precedent and do things differently. And they're already in LA, that's enough motivation to want to go there and play. <laughs> yeah. Now you put in this fund, I mean, sure. that's a differentiator for sure. So. For sure. All right, last one. And this is probably a, this will probably be in your lane a little bit, Jamie, from a PR <laughs> crisis management standpoint, right? Okay. okay. So, Not another rebrand one, is it? No, 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 no. This is a little bit more tricky. All okay. right. So, um, so Mauro Icardi is having women problems again. Um, so he, <laughs> he unfollowed everybody except his wife from social media and attempted to get her back. Um, so the backstory of this is he allegedly, you know, has some relations with, you know, mm -hmm. the wife of one of his idols, um, Maxi Lopez. Um, and he's also threatening to leave PSG until his wife comes back. So what card are we giving Morrow for this situation that he's in? Red and card. As, and then as a bonus, how would you handle that from a PR standpoint? First of all, red card, red card. For me, there's two different, there's two different things to it. So it's one, the infidelity, red card on that, first of all. But second of all, you don't bring your problems at home to the office. So now talking about not wanting to be at PSG because it's something you did, like that big red card all the way. Um, in terms of how I would handle it, man, I don't know, it's tough because I don't have all the, we, we just know what we're seeing uh, being reported in the press. But if I were him, I, if I were counseling him, I, it would be my recommendation to not be publicly doing all these things, unfollowing people. I would, I would say lay low and deal with this stuff privately at home with your with your wife. You know what I mean? And definitely, like I said earlier, don't bring your 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 home baggage to work, man. Don't you know, like that's not gonna that's gonna be a good look for your current employer or any future employer, right? You don't look you don't look very stable doing that. So. <laughs> He's like, <"Look> very stable. <laughs> you know, not to, no no hate on Ali good player. Yeah. This my yeah, opinion. Man. Yeah, you got to give him that red card. You might you might have to give a couple a couple games too after that because this is a this is a debacle. Uh, first first and foremost, you get them how you, you you lose them how you get them. So um, 
Icardi. Saying, he, I mean, uh, he's the first time, right? This yeah, yeah. Time. So his current wife was his former teammate's wife. Like he did a little snake move. Um, and then now, if you trying to if you trying to be a bachelor, then you got to be a bachelor all the way. Shout out to Derek Jeter. <laughs> Derek Jeter did it. If, if there's a blueprint of how to be a bachelor, Derek Jeter, if he he could do whatever he wants because no one's like, oh, he's single, he's doing that. But not if you want to be a family man and a bachelor, <laughs> it's not, it, it, it doesn't mesh well. With your teammates. Exactly. By the way, come on, man. So that's a, that's another lesson for anyone listening. Um, his wife is aging also. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's another thing. Now you're mixing business and pleasure, your money right. with your honey. Um, <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Yo, there's a lot wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's multiple cars, multiple games, it's multiple cars. And then on top of that, now you're letting it affect your 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 status within your team. You're going on socials, um, Instagram on follows. Like that's gonna help. And you're going right. It's, it's it's just it's it's a, it's a TV drama that's yeah. to be seen. Telenovela for sure. Yeah. Facts. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Right, yeah. Hey, prayers to that man. Um, but uh, he's, going, he's going through it. <laughs> for the whole world to see as well. All right, well, that's it for this week's uh, no car, yellow car, red car. Moby, what you got? Yeah, Jamie, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to come on our platform. Uh, really pre- appreciate you. You know, for anyone that's trying to tap in, you know, to be the next Jamie Chan or, you know, learn from you, where can they tap in? Where where, where can they follow you? Man. At Jamie, J-H-A-M-I-E, Chin, uh, C-H-I-N spelled regularly. Same thing on Instagram as well. On LinkedIn too. Uh, just spell my name how it's spelled. J-H-A-M-I-E, last name Chin. Uh, I'm always, always responding to LinkedIn messages, especially for anyone looking to get into the industry, always willing to chat, kind of share ideas, talk about different things. So feel free to give me a shout. My DMs, as they say, are always open. So, and thank you to you both for having me on. Like I said, always been a fan of the show. I feel really honored that you guys thought about having me on here. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Oh, no, most definitely. So, uh, be prepared because, uh, Chris, uh, one of the two cents, uh, sports co-founders announced that there will be a summit within the next two years. And Jamie will have a masterclass uh, presentation on how to handle media, yes, how I to will. say no comment. <laughs> uh, so we'll be tapping. <laughs> Make sure I you gave tap in. With... Already, man. <laughs> so make sure you tap into Jamie if you want to connect with them. Uh, make sure you tap in with everything you got going on with Two Cents Sports, Two Cents FC. A lot's happening. Um, but that's our that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Uh, follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Um, check out our merch at Two Cents Sports.shop. As you can see, I'm rocking the hat. Uh, we got Cozy Season Collection coming soon. A lot of things are happening. If you enjoy the show, consider dropping us a donation using the link in the description. It helps support the cost of the show. It helps us get wonderful guests like Jamie. It helps us keep our content behind or outside of paywalls, um, like some mm-hmm. other channels that do that. And tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss. Um, the only place you're getting unfiltered thoughts and opinions, the only place you're getting unique perspectives from people that you may not hear from on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Two Cents FC, Two Cents Sports. L, what else you got? 
Yeah, that's it, man. Um, definitely uh, check out Blackstar. That's Blackstar.com. Um, great, great, great program starting up piloting um, in Detroit next weekend. So we'll be on the ground in Detroit next weekend, tapping in with them, um, creating access for, you know, the black community um, and soccer in the Detroit area. I know it's not Chicago, but I had to plug that since we're, since we're directly connected. Um, so definitely check out BlackStarSoccer.com. Um, and yeah, just tap in with us every week. Like like I'm we mentioned, cozy season is coming. Next couple of weeks, we should be dropping. So keep an eye out for that. We'll definitely bombard your socials um, when the new stuff drops. Um, so yeah, so consider consider copying and yeah. Last question, Jamie. You are in Chicago. Favorite Chicago pizza spot? Oh, Pequots by far. Um, for anyone that's in and around Chicago, Pequots, man. There, there's a lot. There's Illuminati's, Giordano's, all the popular ones. But that's kind of the one that you know where somebody from the city gives you gives you a, a little spot you might not know about, and it's okay. man, unbelievable. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah Giordano's is my spot, but I'm gonna have to try that next time I'm in the city. You, you won't, you, you, you won't even think about Giordano's once you have Pequod, bro. This, this is diff different level, different level. So okay, what I will yeah, I'm say, I'm with you next time I'm in the city, man. Let me what know, I will man. say, if, if a, a Jamie re recommendation is like a Michelin star recommendation, you don't miss <laughs> recommendations. You man save me in Orlando. So <laughs> with, with the food, the Jamaican food, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, All right, man. Till next week, y'all. Sounds good. Yeah.